0: Andy, the week we wait for every year is upon us. It's Rivalry Week.
1: Hey, man, I want to start out by saying, Reggie, you are a good person. You are a (laughs) good father. You are a strong physician. And now that I got us out of the way, this is Ohio Hate Week, baby. Let's go. You're going to hear nothing nice from me for the next hour.
0: Yeah, it's Michigan Week. This is the game. It's hard to believe, Andy. You know, we wait all year. We get ready through the preseason. How's the team gonna look? We do our preseason podcast breaking down each position, who's got the advantage. We try to look all throughout the season, who's looked better, even though we've both argued many times the transitive property doesn't apply, but you try to apply it all the time. What's what how we look against common opponents? What's gonna happen? And like most years, all everything's on the line. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> I got to wait. And then afterward, I got to live with the result for a year. And I'll either be ecstatic and like, oh, for for Ohio State this year, it'll be more the sense of relief or another year of, of misery.
1: Christmas is almost over. And there's one last present sitting in the corner <laughs> under the tree. And it's the big one. And is it going to be that Super Nintendo that you've been hoping for and asking your parents for for the last six months? Or is it going to be the baseball glove that it actually turned out to be? And we're only going to find out when we get to unwrap that present. And you're either going to have joy and elation or misery in finding ways to compensate and saying like, well, the other presents were really good. And I'm going to remember this Christmas and everything's going to be just fine. We'll really wishing God. Dang, I can't believe I got a baseball glove instead of a Super Nintendo. Oh, we're talking, we're not talking about my Christmases. Um, Yeah, I think this is, this is what it all comes down to. And there is really so much on the line for both teams, because I think winning the game is a ticket to the uh, college football playoff. Losing the game is essentially the end of the season, I think, for both teams. And both teams have really high expectations going into this game. And both teams could easily win or lose this game. I, I like. It, I I know we've said this in previous podcasts, but it feels bigger than ever before.
0: Is this the most anticipated matchup of all time in the history of the game?
1: No, it isn't. It's definitely the most in recent memory, but I think 2006 still is because that was the equivalent of the semifinal game. Because... Yeah. The winner of that game was one game away from a national champion, whereas the winner of this game still has to go beat Iowa. (laughs) Sorry. Um, (laughs) Then they they have to play the semi semi semifinal game and then they have to play. So it feels a little bit more distant from the ultimate title of of winning a natty. And so one versus two in Columbus back in 2006. Great memories was there, Um, I think, still had. It still was bigger in terms of the rivalry. But this is the biggest one, I I would say, in in the college football playoff era.
0: I agree that 2006 keeps the top spot, one versus two. And there was a lot of talk that if it was a close game, especially the way it played out, Michigan losing a close game on the road as number two versus number one, should the national championship game have been a rematch?
1: Kirby was really, really campaigning hard for that. As soon as the game ended, he was... He was saying this is the greatest game he ever saw, and it should be a rematch. Wow, we really blew up that narrative with each of our team's performance and the subsequent bowls after yeah. us. We got wasted by USC, and we all know those Swamp Kings took care of business down in the uh, national championship. Yeah.
0: There's one reason, which we'll get into later, why this might be bigger than last year, but I thought last year's was huge. Both undefeated, both 11-0 and 0, coming into the game, all the same stakes on the line, and Ohio State having lost year before playing at home. That was huge stakes. This is, look, in Harbaugh's nine years, this is the fourth time that Ohio State and Michigan, just as they used to do during the 10-year war and at other periods in the rivalry, they settle the conference between themselves. Like you said, it's not quite settling the conference like it was back in the day. You still have to go score 17 points or so to beat Iowa next week. But... It's uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's Re- Reggie saying that with a big smile on his face for everybody who can't see uh, this
0: huge stakes, though, as it is so often, which is what makes this the greatest rivalry in the history of sports.
1: Absolutely agree. And I really needed Michigan's resurgence to be able to feel good about this, to even be able to continue to podcast with you. I've Reggie, I told you offline that I was really close to quitting this partially because Michigan was so terrible and got beat by Ohio State. And in 2018, when I thought we were going to come back, got trounced by Ohio State, but partially because you were just so benevolent about it and you were so high-minded and kind. And, you know, oh, maybe next year <laughs> will be the time the worm turns, Andy, and every new year you'd be like you, – you, you were almost like baiting me into believing that I could come back and maybe that's how you got your sick pleasure – but something changed this year that has reinvigorated me to continue the podcast and and to feel better about the rivalry. And I need an explanation free from you, Reggie, because something changed in you about two weeks ago. Like your brain broke and you started like we have a text between us and a couple other college football fans and you went totally loony with regards to some of the scandal stuff that's surrounding Michigan, but really ramped up the smack talk to something that I had never seen before. And I'll cite some examples, but first (laughs) I need to know, give me some insight into the mind of Reggie as to why all of a sudden, maybe you just have more free time on your hand to ruminate about these things, or maybe it's because you think that three losses in a row, which is potentially... You know, coming down the pipe next week would really would really wreck the program, but what changed
0: well, of course, Andy, as the game approaches, and now we're looking at what are we going to lose three years in a row by the time the game would be played next year, it would have been five years since Ohio State has beaten Michigan, which in this era of Ohio State football, where for the last five years, we had the or one of the best offenses in college football. And this year, we've got a great defense and an offense that, I don't know, we'll see. I would like to say finding its way. But so the specter of losing three in a row, of course, as the game draws near makes me more anxious. But also the the cheating scandal, of course, <laughs> has it, what it. has triggered for me is this is the root of the whole rivalry from the Ohio State fan perspective. It's not even that, you know, Michigan's something wrong. They've done things wrong before. Ohio State's done things wrong before. It is the narrative, the myth of the Michigan man that you and I go back and forth about. (laughs) It is such a myth. Sometimes I think, well, I'm an Ohio State fan to the core. So maybe I just cannot have an objective perspective. But I have read and sent you guys... (laughs) article after article from people and all different types who have no allegiance to either side of the rivalry, but everybody is finding it delicious that the most arrogant institution in America is proven to be just like everybody else. Like I've said to you and some of our friends, the worst thing you could possibly say to a Michigan fan for the most part is that you're just like everybody else. Cause that's <laughs> the thing they don't believe. To their core. It is the (laughs) the ingrained in the institution from Santa Ono to certainly Jim Harbaugh, the most arrogant prick who's ever walked (laughs) the sideline at Michigan or quarterbacked there. Uh, So, you know, I haven't liked him since 1986 when he made his Nostradamus-like prediction. That came true because Ohio State missed the game-winning field goal. So so now he's a prophet. He knew. (laughs) Yeah, he knew it was coming. So,
1: I mean, a couple things. I think, one, there's a generational divide, and that's probably why I don't understand. Because you mentioned, when when I was inquiring as to why your brain is so broken now, you mentioned Mitch Album, who's—I didn't even know he was a Michigan guy— I just knew him as the guy who wrote those the 7 people you meet in heaven and then he kind of
0: Tuesdays with Morrie Oh he did Tuesdays I, I like his writing I, yeah. I, you but, know
1: But I like so I missed that whole era where like the like the the idea of a Michigan man I it was just kind of a like a a, a phrase that I heard but it is Cuz that's funny. all it is Andy well, <laughs> It's a, <laughs> I, I mean I, it's a
0: marketing campaign I
1: I I, <laughs> I honestly don't disagree but I I think I I look back at the intro that is done by uh, James Earl Jones, the every, uh, every Michigan game that they play on the big scoreboard, yeah. and he says in his big, deep, booming voice, the greatest university in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, part of me is just like <laughs> eye rolling. I'm like, there's some great universities out there. But then I'm like, yeah, the greatest university in the world. Let's go. No, but
0: that's not the core of it. I don't think anybody in their right mind would dispute that the University of Michigan is a great university, one of the top public universities in the world, right? Right. Certainly in the United States. It is the the arrogance that I have experienced firsthand it is the actual belief that if you went to michigan or if you're a michigan man even if you didn't go to michigan most michigan fans did not attend the university of michigan yet it's just somehow uh, there is a moral superiority or a superiority uh, that just i mean like you know we know each other well enough it's probably the character trait that grates on me the most and i hate it i hate it from docs too from doctors we live in a profession filled with pretty arrogant attitudes, and they're the people I detest most, are the people who, I am better than you because I'm a doctor and you're a nurse, or whatever, you know, a lot of these HR interactions that you and I have been yeah, deal with over the yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. I am better because of, access is what makes me better. Not my actions or what I actually do, but my status in life, or my privilege in life make me a better person and a more important person. Oh man, that just grates me to no end. And that embodies the University of Michigan.
1: That's actually really good insight, Reggie. And I can see sort of the how your disdain for arrogance across all professions and Michigan's fall from grace after proclaiming that we are the what the leaders, in the the leaders and the best. Leaders <laughs> and the <laughs> leaders and the best. Could could be like, I don't know, candy candy for you. So I I <laughs> I, I I can understand a little bit. And so in return, I've decided to go full heel and sort of just <laughs> embrace the bad guy. I am wearing my thank you for your service, yeah. Connor Stallion shirt. I, know.
0: I wish we had a video podcast right I, now. It's I a would, great shirt.
1: I think that uh, you just got to own it if you're Michigan fans, because as much as I hate to say it, the... The uh, the evidence is becoming rather insurmountable. <laughs> it gets worse yeah, by the night. I watch it like I've watched videos of Stallions like on the sidelines of like the 2022 Michigan State game, where like yeah. he's like standing there and all of a sudden like runs across to the you know the the uh, the Michigan like play calling boards and like taps the guy and then we hold up a different sign and then we adjust our <laughs> we adjust our uh, uh, defensive formation so oof i mean ncaa will do its due diligence and yeah. you know sometime in the year 3035 there will be some penalties handed down from a uh a, a nothing a la tennessee's uh coach sanction cheating scandal where they basically dragged uh everybody to their grades so they could continue to play <laughs> top level football to uh the death penalty and who knows it'll be a total uh a wheel spin of, of what comes up. I have absolutely no, no idea. idea. It could be a bull band, band slap on the wrist. It's like, the NCAA.
0: Who, Nobody has who, any idea what will happen. Who
1: knows? But I want to give a little bit of honor to Connor Stallions, a military <laughs> man that you got to look up yep. to as a former military, or as a military man yourself, Reggie, by recreating a scene in what I think you and I agree is probably the best 15 minutes of cinema from A Few Good Men and the monologue of Colonel Jessup when he's being questioned by tom cruise <clears throat> retrofitted for the connor stallions uh, scandal Nice. so picture the courtroom and my terrible acting is going to drag me through this son we live in a world that has buckeyes and those <laughs> buckeyes have to be <laughs> defeated by men with stolen signs who's gonna do it you you commissioner petiti i have a greater responsibility than you could possibly fathom you weep for ryan day and you curse the wolverines You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Ryan Day's loss, while tragic, probably (laughs) saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saved lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that sideline. You need me on that sideline. We use words like Michigan man, leaders, leaders. Best. you. We use these words as a backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the conference revenue that I provide and then questions <laughs> the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just say go blue and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a play sheet and stand the post. Either way... I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Woo.
0: <laughs> Very well done. Well uh, done, sir. Connor Stallion's hero. It has been wildly entertaining because, of course, we're, I'm, I'm like a crack addict. It's like <laughs> searching the Internet for updates. When's the daily <laughs> update? I need to fix. Like, what? She was going to drop next. And to my whole point about the, the history of the uh, dislike and the rivalry from the Ohio State standpoint... Last week was like the most Jim Harbaugh and most Michigan moment ever. We're gonna burn it to the ground. We'll leave for the SEC, which is a joke. Good luck in the SEC, Michigan. But we'll burn it down. We run the conference. You know, we are gonna fight this. We're going to war. Uh, three games sounds pretty good. <laughs> and, and you're like, yeah. and we talked about it the day before. I'm like, I don't know, man. Something had to have happened then the next day. Chris Partridge is fired for obstructing (laughs) (laughs) the investigation and and, uh, low T or uncle T or whoever
1: is is
0: funding the effort. And I don't even know, is that, is that against NCAA rule? Like, I don't even know if some of this stuff is against rules.
1: Well, one, we just had to keep it on Michigan brand and get a booster involved. (laughs) And and secondly, I it's, I think it brings us dangerously close to the precipice of that nebulous penalty of, Lack of institutional right. control, which allows you basically to drop a nuke on a program for for reasons that only the NCAA can decide. But, yeah, as much as I, I'm I'm in in the smack talking text, I'm going to say that, oh, you know, Haraba wanted to take away from the distraction and focus on the upcoming game and take care of the players. Yeah, it, someone came to him and been like, hey, man, just let's let's get the Big Ten to step out and take your take your three game suspension, which probably could have been a two game suspension if you know we uh, we took the the offer that Petiti initially came to us when uh, Santa Ono, you know, Michigan hero now stepped up and said, no, we're gonna rally around Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh would be on the sidelines for the game. Yeah. But uh, we decided to double down on we are innocent <laughs> until proven guilty. And the proof just keeps dripping, dripping, dripping
0: out. The the thing is, I think we agreed the three-game suspension was kind of about as much of a win-win as you were going to get. I mean, yeah, Harbaugh's not on the sideline for three and a half hours on three Saturdays, but he gets to do everything else all week. So all the game prep, all the... So he doesn't get to be there. I don't get to watch the mouth breather on the sideline whining at the refs. Uh, you he doesn't know. do
1: that much anymore. He's really cooled off. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ryan Day would be a bigger loss to Ohio State because he calls the plays. Right. Uh, so you need you need him on that. You need Ryan Day on that sideline. Yeah, not yeah him on that wall. Yeah. Harbaugh lets his coordinators do their thing, and Sharon Moore has proven himself to be... Uh, he, he's made decisions that I think have all worked out. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the game tape, but, I mean, every time he goes forward and forth down, they convert. Every time he... If he makes a decision that maybe Harbaugh could have overridden during the game, it has worked out. So... There's been no loss on the sideline. It's a win for Petiti because his punishment stood. The Big Ten Conference did something. How much of an impact did it have? Well, so much for the thought of irreparable harm. They've they're two and zero. Oh, they're well, sorry, they're five and zero oh without Harbaugh as their coach this year. So on the sidelines on Saturdays. So I think everybody got a little something, which is the way most things in the adult world work you you compromise to the point where everybody can live with it
1: but you and i are two adults talking to each other (laughs) and you know how most of the internet both both sides of the argument is looking at this this everybody's upset the michigan online fan base oh my gosh harbaugh got railroaded and now he missed out on our thousandth win he's gonna miss out on the game and the people are like This is BS. He's a cheater, and I can't believe he gets to go to the postseason. And, you know, he's going to get to – he's going to be in the – if they win, he's going to be in the Big Ten championship game, and nothing's changed. And now we have to wait a million years for the NCAA to do something or nothing. We don't know. Nobody but you and I are kind of like, well, you know, (laughs) that's. It it's it did something and it did you know it, it was a it was a penalty and you know you can be happy with that and I can be happy with the fact that it didn't blow up my dream season. It's not
0: that there won't be any distraction, but pretty much you know after the game, if, if Michigan wins it, they're going to go on to the Big Ten championship game. Life will resume normally. Harbaugh will be part of the postseason. They'll obviously be in the playoff. If uh, in some ways this ramps up the pressure on Ryan Day. Because if Ryan Day now loses to Sharon Moore as a head coach on game day and loses his third in a row, his seat's going to be warm next year. I still don't think uh, people are insane if they think you you should even talk. This is not the John Cooper era, which I live through every minute of. John Cooper started 0 and one against Michigan, but in those early years, he got trounced. I mean, it looked like Ohio State had no business being on the field. They lost... 28 to nothing they lost 31 to 3 in some of those first four games that cooper lost ryan day has lost two big 10 games in five years but like we talked about last time he lost
1: to the wrong wrong, they're the wrong games you you would have been better off losing it to northwestern in a quiet ryan field than losing these two games and Ryan Day was one shanked field goal away from almost definitely winning a national championship. Uh, I was, think it's gonna- Well
0: in Clemson, twenty nineteen, they were a blown scoop and score play maybe from uh I don't know if we beat LSU and Joe Burrow that year. That was a that was a buzzsaw of yeah, an offense. No, yeah. But but he should have played for basically he should have been playing for his third national and his third national championship game last year in four years. So, and you're going to fire that guy cause he's lost two games and
1: no, and, and they won't, and they won't fire him if he loses three games and they probably won't fire him if he loses four games. And cooler, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, We'll talk
0: about next year later. Cooler
1: heads will prevail because you always, when you're a top tier program, like Ohio state is, you always have to ask yourself what, who are we going to get and what are they going to do? The most dangerous time in any organization is leadership change. And you have to weigh the benefits when you are a number, anywhere from a number five to a number one program in the country, and you just haven't gotten over the hump in want a natty. You have to weigh the benefit of maybe with somebody else, we win a national title with the risk of maybe this person comes in and blows the whole thing up and I don't know anything about that living through the Rich Rod and Brady <laughs> right. Oak era, but like, it is super risky. And Ryan Day's a good coach and, you know, seems like an upstanding individual. And I don't think there's any reason to fire him, even if he does lose this, but you know, it, it uh, uh some people are a little bit unreasonable and especially when everyone can access the internet and get their opinion out there. And their opinion is just as valid as, you know, the the athletic director or the people, you know, who actually matter in making these decisions. Ryan Day's not going to get fired, he even if he gets smoked by Michigan this year.
0: Yeah. No, he won't and he shouldn't. And I I've said this already to you. I think it's true. I think Ohio State will be the favorite going into the Big Ten next year. Michigan loses a lot of people this year. They've got a senior-laden team, lots of experience, lots of leadership. I wanted to hit on something that you mentioned, Andy. When I was thinking about, is this the biggest game ever? One difference between now and 06, honestly, is that what's happened in the world since 06, one thing that's different between now and 06 is social media is such a bigger part of our lives. And frankly, it's made society less civil. I miss the days I still wish the Ohio State-Michigan game were played the weekend before Thanksgiving. It used to be... If you had family members or friends or people you got together with over the holidays that were fans of the other team, you'd give each other a hard time. But it was, it was good-natured, even if it was intense at times and you were, like, so frustrated. It's funny because when I was a kid, you know, I, my, the first game I watched was 78. It was Woody's last uh, Ohio State-Michigan game. Frankly, the game was starting to pass him by. It was his third loss in a row to Michigan, which was the first, the only time in his 28 years that he'd lost three in a row. In fact, that was part of the year before in 77 was the first time in his 28 years he ever lost twice in a row to Michigan. And then in the Earl Bruce era, it was one team wins, the other team wins. So the 10-year war and the Earl Bruce era, except for that last three games of Woody's, was like, man, if you lost one year you were so hopeful you'd win the next year. But you never lost three in a row. So when was the last time Ohio State lost three in a row to Michigan, which is kind of eerily similar. It was 95, 96, 97 when Ohio State had – I wouldn't say that you can say Ohio State's had the clearly superior teams the last two years because Michigan's been very good. But back in 95, 96, Ohio State was unbeaten both seasons going into the Michigan game and lost as the superior team and then 97 they ran into a generational Michigan team that won the national championship
1: wow man let's get your, inject inject that narrative right into my veins to get me <laughs> to keep me going for the next so, yeah six so it is this
0: gonna be a repeat a three peat if you will of uh you know mission Mich- like look this rivalry is littered with games with that's why it's hard to rank like I don't know is this the second biggest game ever is it the fifth these games are almost always consequential for one team, and many, many, many times is consequential for both teams. That's where we are this year.
1: I will give a hot take, um, and maybe this is just me projecting a little bit, but social media is bad for the world. <laughs> yeah. The the negative, the the benefits that it brings do not outweigh weigh the negatives. And when when Twitter first kind of came to prominence and famous people started getting on Twitter, the idea was. Well, I can talk with, you know, whoever, like the, they can descend on from high and have a regular conversation with common folk in this public square, which sounded like a good idea. But what you can also do is you can message Braylon Edwards and tell him he's a complete, you know, jerk DB, say all these nasty things to him. Yeah, And that's not healthy. You shouldn't be able to reach out with to strangers and say hurtful things and be protected by the guys that you are behind a laptop screen. And I'm reminded of when I was a kid, and I was driving with my dad, and my dad got cut off by somebody. And my dad instinctively flipped him the bird, and then drove away. And I think the guy probably screamed something at him. And he said, I shouldn't have done that. Because just because I feel protected behind my car, that guy could have a crossbow in the back of his trunk, or he could have a gun and he could have just been having a bad day and he could have blew me away. What? So I could tell him he was an idiot for cutting me off. Well, you can't even blow away the guy on Twitter. So people just say the nastiest things and the meanest things. And I am like much like a recovering alcoholic. I am proud to say that I do not have social media on my phone except during the football season (laughs) when I relapse and I'm constantly looking for the latest injury report or the press conference, the hilarious bits or, you know, uh, analysis from the game from former players. And then as soon as the season's over, goes right off my phone until next year, because I, I, I don't think it's healthy for me. And I, I don't think it's healthy for for even most people for that exact reason.
0: No, and I I don't have much of a social media presence. We set up an account for this podcast a few (laughs) years ago.
1: Is it just floating out there in in the nebulous space? I don't
0: think either of us have ever posted anything on it, uh, or not much. And I followed a few people early on. I rarely get on it. Back in the day... If you were going to send a death threat, you had to cut out different sizes and colors of letters (laughs) from magazines and piece them together and find out what their mailing address was in the yellow pages or white pages, I guess, for
1: uh, for, a residential address.
0: (laughs) It just took a lot of work. It was tedious and it was exhausting. So it wasn't really worth the effort.
1: Only the truly committed psychopaths. Yeah, you had to
0: to show commitment. Now it's really easy for somebody to make a death threat or some really inappropriate, nasty comment. I hate when you read about players who get the nastiest comments because they dropped a ball or they missed an open receiver or they missed a block or they had a holding penalty. Uh, we've talked about this from the beginning of this podcast. That like, Thank you, all of you who play football for Michigan and Ohio State for providing us the entertainment that drives me yeah. much of the year and way more of my life
1: the escapism. than
0: it should have. The escapism, yeah. the fun, the, the, the sportsmanship, the just incredible nature of the rivalry has been a tremendously fun part of my life. And now my kids' lives and to something I've shared with them and that you'll share with your boys as they grow up. Yeah, It's a, uh, I have nothing but like, like they're putting in all the time in the weight room and the, providing their blood, sweat, tears, broken bones, you name it, and the public ridicule It is insane.
1: A lion does not concern himself with the opinion of sheep. And that's something that <laughs> Caleb Williams said and I think Caleb Williams is kind of a goofball. But when he said that because uh, people were were looking uh, for a quote after that Notre Dame fan ran on the field, which man, I hope that kid like gets stuffed in a locker. Some of the <laughs> that Notre Dame fan who I didn't see him playing playing football or you know competing against caleb williams but for those who don't know after uh usc lost to notre dame notre dame rushed the field and a kid ran up to caleb williams who was probably trying his darnest just to get off the field and go to the locker yeah. room so soaked, and took a took like a video with him and was like oh what do you think now or like Are you paint your nails or said something really crappy and then got his selfie and then people were of course going at caleb williams take after after the thing and I thought his comeback was great. He says the lion does not uh, you know, uh, concern himself with the opinion of sheep. Yeah. And that's unfortunately what I think all coaches and leadership in, in sports sports training these young, extremely vulnerable men. I mean, 18, 19 years old. They're just becoming adults uh, into how they need to approach their, their growing presence and the fact that millions of people are going to – be able to access them and tell them what they think millions of people couldn't do a, an eighth of what they do on the field and say, you know, you should be, you should be fired into the sun for this and stuff like that. I, I thought about it when Ohio state fans appropriately were upset at G Scott last year when he um headbutted the, the Michigan player when he was out of bounds. I mean, tensions run over and was that stupid? Of course it was stupid. And, but like, you spend all week, all year, all lifetime getting people psyched up for the game. Like, you're going to be able to stop it when the whistle blows? Not always. And I totally get it. But like, there's some nasty stuff going about, you know, G. Scott, w- when that happened. And so I, I, it's, it's tough, but it's not going to change, just like the death threats aren't going to change. And so you just have to you have to coach the people who are in that environment to rise above it. So Reggie, it, through like, and so it's funny, sort of the ebb and flow of the rivalry smack talk because you and I have receded to the exact same, the exact same mental space, almost at the exact same time that the rivalry and the the approximation of it has provided us. We were talking so much crap to each other <laughs> last week. In fact, there was one morning where I was going to be very productive and do laundry and stuff. And I spent probably two and a half hours just sitting on the couch, like flame throwing back and forth with you. But you know what happened? It becomes a quiet anxiety this week. You didn't. Yeah, you didn't even no, text right. once that Chris Partridge got canned. That was. That was. That was Mac. That was a cannonball. You could have. It, into it the felt group. like
0: piling on at that point. It was like well, first of all, we don't know what it means. And it was just Oh, too... look at
1: you being so fair and balanced all of a sudden. What is <laughs> But the reason the reason I shut up is the 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 weight of the coming game has has hit. And you know, we we survived the weekend and the only thing in front of us is the game. And now it's you know, nothing else matters but winning. It doesn't matter, you know, what Connor Salian's investigation will or won't show. It doesn't matter. And so I I just I I woke up and, and this is a shame because I have the whole week off of work. And my favorite, oh, really? my favorite holiday. Right? Get ready for Thanksgiving, have family over, have good food and wine. And because of the the gravity of this particular game, it's already weighing extremely heavy on me on Monday morning. Which doesn't doesn't bode well for Thursday or Friday. Yeah, it's a I tough gotta week. Say. It's
0: another reason I wish the game were still played the week before Thanksgiving. Oh, like I my- said, I'd rather get it done with and just enjoy the holiday. I've got two kids' birthdays in the next week. I this is one of my very favorite times of the year. Best time and, of year. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. All three of my kids will be home over the holiday, and uh, life is good, man. And it's that's the way it should be. And the the rivalry is supposed to be. Fun, yes. I mean, it's like it's agonizing to think of losing again. One thing I I am glad for it's a good thing for Michigan and for Ohio State that this cheating scandal was uncovered, you know, roughly mid season. Because one thing we should be able to agree on, Connor Stallion's gonna have nothing to do with the outcome of
1: Saturday's game. He didn't have anything to do with the outcome (laughs) of the game in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. Let me disperse. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me disperse the illusion because, like, there are far off conspiracy corners of Buckeye Internet that are like, man, I can't imagine like Connor Stallions was the reason we lost the game, and even you, like a relatively reasonable person you're like I don't know Andy no one will ever know I'm like yeah I'm pretty sure we would have still won the game that we won by three touchdowns two years in running
0: I don't know though you, it, <laughs> well here's here's what you can't say for sure Andy how do you know Michigan didn't know what defense Penn State was in when they made their catch, their catch the, the and run. The most
1: important play of the of the season. That
0: would have meant Michigan, Ohio State had already clinched the Big Ten two years ago. And maybe that changes the outcome of the game. Maybe they wouldn't have beaten Illinois last year, although that wouldn't have mattered. It still would have been the same stakes for the game. But that's what's so ridiculous about it. Did Michigan need sign stealing to win their first seven games this year? <laughs> Of course not. They needed to steal signs from Bowling Green or UNLV or Rutgers. No, but they did. I appreciate and it, the tenacity. It, taints, it yeah. taints everything that they did. But I said, why I say it's good is that we also know that he was planning on blatantly cheating to scout both Penn State and Ohio State this year. So if the season had come to a conclusion and then they find that out, sorry, you would never convince anybody that the outcomes of either of those games or it could not have been altered by the cheating. So at least now we know, like, hey, whatever happens Saturday, it's got nothing to do with what Connor Stallions did. Unless this we, is a straight I, you know,
1: you're right. You couldn't convince anybody unless we won by, you know, like 15 points again.
0: Well, that that's what <laughs> is going to be interesting about Saturday is the narrative changes so dramatically. That's why this is one of the more consequential games in history because you know, dang well, if Michigan loses Saturday. That narrative that you just tried to dispel (laughs) is going to take hold forever. Oh, yeah, Michigan couldn't cheat. Ohio State beats them in the big house. But no, I'm sure the last two years were straight up just outmanning us. And whether it's fair or not, just like, you know, if Michigan wins this year, that doesn't mean that maybe Michigan would have still beaten Ohio State the last two years. But maybe they wouldn't have won some of their other games. I mean, it doesn't dismiss the cheating, but it will, right? The narrative will be you see, Michigan stopped cheating and they still beat Penn State and Maryland and Michigan. They rolled through their stress. They won the big uh, through their toughest stretch. They won the Big Ten again. They got into the playoff again. So the,
1: the other the other thing that I find really hilarious is the the natural assumption that this created such a monumental. Tilt in the field, whereas things like s- uh, previous opponents sending the signals that they got from the sidelines to future opponents, just seemingly out of spite or that they didn't like losing to Michigan. So maybe their future opponents, like Purdue in the Big Ten championship game, which I will r- admit is not illegal although it should be, it seems like a much more blatant violation of sportsmanship to collude with another team to beat your opponent that you couldn't beat to give them an advantage. Oh, nope, not a rule. And taking your iPhone to level 300 and getting a grainy picture of the sideline over there to glean maybe some sign that, by the way, Ohio State changed both their signs going into the game in 2021 and 2022. That's, cheating by the rules, but colluding with the opponents to give them an advantage is not cheating and does not endanger players. I wonder if Illinois knew Michigan's play calling when, you know, Blake Corm took a helmet to a knee in you know, early in the, uh, in the Illinois game that almost cost us the game when we got into a battle with them. I wonder if that was more, uh, if that was more relevant to the outcome of the game than anything Connor Stallions did advanced scouting Illinois or any other team. So I will see you where it is. Yes, it's against the rules to do what Connor Stallion did. And any of the other things, which still seem very much in violation of what would be a, a reasonable code of sportsmanship that other teams do, are not against the rules. So, did we break the rules? Yes. Are other teams doing it? Who knows? Maybe we'll know. Maybe we'll never know. But the idea that, like, this was the secret weapon that turned Michigan, everyone who's like, oh, Michigan, since Connor Stallion joined the program, like, blankety blank. In Michigan, since Connor Stallion, you know, it was been fired blankety blank. And you know, their offensive production, that is some real, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy level stuff. Like Connor Stallion's uh, you know, recruiting kids to go iPhone video team was the was the secret recipe to Michigan's complete resurgence. Now, maybe it's the fact that we got NFL level coaching. We re- recruited a little bit better and we started developing talent like we never had before. And we got a five star and we got a five star quarterback for the first time in forever.
0: Yeah, the generational quarterback definitely has helped. But I I think that's minimizing the impact, Andy, that and the truth you,
1: is somewhere in between. Yeah, I will it's probably. definitely
0: somewhere in between. They're not taking grainy footage from 300. He had 45 yard seats at Ohio State, Penn State with probably a 4K iPhone. I mean, you're not getting grainy. This isn't the Zapruder film. <laughs> paid, <laughs> but, for, paid
1: for by his you know, uh, $50,000 uh, 50, yeah, uh, uh, a year but Michigan I, salary, I hope.
0: I, I agree. <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't even like m- many things you find out later. I didn't know this was a thing, right? <laughs> you know, I honestly, I always thought like it's so silly. It seems so silly that they're sitting there with their cards of, you know, different pop culture icons and yeah. and whatever yeah. on the sideline they're different Sponge color Bob. i
1: love seeing spongebob square pants pop up on the, uh, yeah. the sideline for no apparent reason
0: and, and to see that you all you have to do to get rid of all of that nonsense i i don't like stuff like that in my sports or anywhere else in life it's just a bureaucratic step that has to be added you know because people won't just do the right like you said the sport what's the sportsman thing Let's just go head to head on the field and see who wins. But like, no, apparently everybody is fully invested in trying to steal signs during the games. I didn't know that was a big thing. Right. A- and and I didn't know there was a rule that you couldn't do it in advance, whatever. But like you said, the bottom line is it's a rule. They're going to pay a price for breaking it so blatantly. Would the Big Ten say a extensive in-person, years-long organized yeah. oh. cheating scheme, oh, basically. Yeah. We, are, we, are, I mean, we are now
1: the biggest mafia crime family in the entire world.
0: Well, it's yeah. one of the bigger cheating on-field cheating scandals I can think of. And you cannot say that there's no impact because if somebody's, uh, like, they show that play, uh, it's a uh, third and short or whatever, fourth and short, and you know what play they're going to run. I'm sorry. You, nobody, from a common sense standpoint, I know... That coach Prime and some others early on came out. Oh, it's no big deal. But lots of other coaches have said it kind of is a big deal. If you know what play is being called, it's much easier it, to defend. It, it,
1: it, I, I'm going to jump ship a little bit. If it wasn't such a big deal, people wouldn't hire right. signed decoders. Yeah. and they wouldn't be. I mean, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be forwarding information they gleaned to other teams. Like pass run is a big deal, and I you can't you can't. And, and, and if that's all you know is pass run, it's still a big deal. Big deal, but because that's it's a cottage industry. We have now found out. Like every every team apparently has someone who's trying to look up at the scoreboard or across the field trying to figure it out. And in certain circumstances, that's okay. What Connor Stallion did was not okay. Who knows it, who sanctioned it, who paid for it, that will determine the level of the yeah, scandal. You know
0: exactly. It's who even knew less who it's, it's
1: it. with that partridge firing though, my lone wolf narrative just takes <laughs> a little bit of a hit. I'm I'm really, I just don't want michigan athletics funding it i think that's a that's a nuke if that i'm happens. sure
0: it'll be a booster I, michigan athletics <laughs> i that would be so monumentally stupid but stallions was pretty was open still- and blatant about his activities for being such you know a covert operative i heard he worked supply in the marine corps he's not exactly a Counterintelligence expert. Hey man, but. don't
1: don't you try to take away from from a military man's service. He served our country with dignity.
0: Yeah. Hey, logistics. People underestimate it. Like until you try to run an operation, logistics is a gigantic part of military success.
1: You no, know, you know. I so Connor Stallions, I think, was brilliant in his tenacity, but did not really try very hard to fly <laughs> no. under the radar. He was uploading. He was having people upload the videos to a shared. A shared google drive like what did you think that one of them wouldn't go like oh hey this is interesting information that i'm sure like somebody else might be interested maybe for money maybe just for shits and giggles and be like oh let's stir up some drama <laughs> like what, what are you thinking man
0: <laughs> the used vacuum cleaner business keeps a guy busy andy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <It's- laughs> who knows what's going to come out about that too was was blake corn part of a llc and if he was is that a problem i don't i don't,
1: I don't have even i don't even know but talk i mean we talk all the time about unforced errors and yeah. if, how could you take a michigan season where you are the the odds on favorite to run the table win go to the playoffs and maybe win it all and and make it hard on michigan fans well you just did it in the most like in the most spectacular way possible like yeah. I, I had like honestly like we had worked Penn State and I still had to like it it was amazing we ran the entire second half and we beat the brakes off them. and like I have to read articles about like oh what Connor Stallions you know did as a side hustle and Blake Corum you know and him opened up an LLC in Montana no man the coverage for Michigan has not has not been about how dominant they are like my monkey paws wish from a couple podcasts ago, like, oh, I wish someone would cover Michigan because they're having quite a run. Well, now we get all the coverage we want. It's just not in a good way.
0: Well, because they're not nearly as dominant without cheating.
1: <laughs> Jeez, Christ, man. Their just, first two just single stop. point victories
0: of the season uh, when they can't. No, actually, I think that's a function of they actually played two teams with kind of a pulse. If you thank consider you. Maryland one, thank you, and they got two single digit victories. They do not look like World B. So yeah, I guess we should actually get into the the oh, meat of it, it, do we play, do we
1: play football? I thought this uh, was just the yeah, just spy versus spy. Now
0: in the last two weeks, Michigan beat Penn State and Maryland. Ohio State beat Michigan State and Minnesota. That's probably all we need to say about that. It's yeah. As far as Saturday goes. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed part one of this week's podcast for The Game 2023 version. Stay tuned for part two.